This is Ira Glass of This American Life, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, it's our latest installment of PF's third favorite band, question mark. This week's contestants, Pet Shop Boys. And before we get to Pet Shop Boys, uh, of course we're gonna play a couple of songs by my uh, first two favorite bands, The Beach Boys and Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. Now continuing on our post-surf slash post-pet sounds journey with The Beach Boys, we arrive at Sunflower, released in 1970. I believe it's preceded by the album 2020, which had the, uh, the banger, Do It Again, you heard last week. Uh, Sunflower's got a lot of great tracks on it as well, of course, and I was reading here that uh, many people regard it as uh, the Beach Boys' best uh, post-Pet Sounds album, and I mean, I don't disagree with that. Um, I have other albums I like better uh, from the post-Pet Sounds era, certainly, including 2020, I think I would actually like better, and and maybe even Surf's Up in Holland, I don't know, it's a lot of debate there. But uh, this is a good album. Uh, They released four singles off of this one. Uh, add some music to your day, slip on through, tears in the morning, and then uh, a song called Cool Cool Water, which um, I was uh, reading with one of these magazines my wife bought me, uh, which talks about every single album, and I guess Cool Cool Water, if you uh, play it, because they released, they re-released the Beach Boys albums uh, on CD back in the 90s or 2000s, and so they released them two albums on one CD, so... Um, so Sunflower and uh, Surf's Up end up together. So Cool Cool Water is the last track on Surf's Up, and then are on Sunflower, and then the first track on Surf's Up is Surf's Up, and then they, they kind of sound like they really go together, and that's like one big album. So it is kind of cool if you listen to it that way. But anyway, we're going to focus on actually, uh, it's an album track. It's also a B-side. It's the B-side of the fourth single, Cool, Cool Water. It's a song called Forever. It was written by Dennis Wilson, the group's drummer, along with his songwriting partner, Greg Jacobson. I think it's one of these, the or Jacobson, maybe it's pronounced. Um, they will later go on to write... Uh, uh, Dennis's highly acclaimed solo album, uh, and also another album that Dennis was working on at the time of his passing in 1982 or three, I believe it was. So anyway, back to Forever. Um, it's a song again by Dennis Wilson. It's a gorgeous song. When they did the 50th anniversary show, of course, Carl had passed in 1995. So what they did was uh, they did, I think, about an hour of tunes. They took a break because they're old <laughs> and uh, they needed a little rest. And they came back for the second half of the show. They opened the second half of the show, as I recall. Um, I think they start off with... Uh, Two, like my, two of my favorite songs, Sloop John B and Wouldn't It Be Nice, back-to-back. And then they uh, did a little a tribute to uh, their lost brothers, which in the Dennis and Carl. And uh, so what I guess they did was they isolated the vocal on Forever, and they showed a video of Dennis actually singing it, and then the band filled in live and sang and played along with them. And they did the same thing with God Only Knows, which Carl did the vocal on. Same thing, isolated the vocal, Carl uh, sang it, and the group sang along with him live and played along. It was very moving, very beautiful. But anyway, uh, Forever, great tune. I still think this is Dennis Wilson's best song. And uh, I arguably so. So we're going to hear this uh, track now. It's Forever. This is a Beach Boy song written by Ness Wilson. The song is Forever. If every word I said could make you laugh, I'd talk forever. Asked the sky just what we had mm, It shone forever If the song I sing to 
Forever by the Beach Boys, lead vocal Dennis Wilson, written by Dennis Wilson and Greg Jacobitson. Uh, Sunflower is the album that it is from. And uh, then we move on to Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. We're up to the Crush album. And Crush is still my favorite album, uh, not because it's artistically the best. And I, I didn't really realize this was the case until I interviewed Andy McCluskey years ago. And I pointed out, I said, you know, Crush is my favorite album. And he was kind of puzzled by that. And I'm like, you know, I think a lot of us Americans like Crush a lot, um, maybe even more than Architecture and Morality, which is almost heresy. But uh, he said, well, is it because that's where you kind of came into the fandom? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And if you think about it, uh, if, uh, a lot of the favorite albums you have, if they're in the middle of somebody's catalog, maybe that is the entry point for you, and you just love that album so much because that's what got you into the whole band. I believe that is the case with Crush. Even though it is a great album still, I believe, artistically, I think technically it's not the very best album album, but I love it. A lot of great songs on this album. So In Love was the big single. Got to 30, no, got to 23, 4, 20 odd somewhere in the U.S. chart. Uh, Secret would have charted higher. They pulled Secret because If You Leave was from the Pretty and Pink soundtrack was climbing the chart. So the record label jumped off Secret, jumped on If You Leave. If You Leave becomes a top 10 hit. They tried to re-release Secret a couple years later on the Greatest Hits album. And I think it got to 60 odd again in the U.S. chart. I don't think it charted very high in the UK. I think So In Love only got to like 20. Anyway, um, so Hold You is on here. It's a great, great ballad. Not very electronic-y. Not, it's just a simple ballad, and it's one of my favorite ballads of all time by anybody. But I'm going to play Woman 3. Woman 3 was going to maybe possibly be a single from this album, and it is certainly a fan favorite. There is a video of it from uh, something called Crush the Movie, which is a documentary about the making of the album. So there's kind of a performance video. It could have been released as a single. There would have been a video for it. And uh, it's just a nice, catchy little tune. This is Woman 3 by OMD. Woman 3 by Orchestra Maneuvers in the Dark. I think I've only heard that song live. Oh, my computer's telling me it's time to, for an update. Well, thank you very much, computer. Uh, I think um, uh, Woman 3, uh, I've only heard it once live, and that was on the actual Crush Tour, I think. Although I have some recollection of them maybe doing it on the Pacific Age Tour, too. Anyway, I uh, always like that tune. Just a great, great tune from the album Crush, which now leads us to... Pet Shop Boys. Pet Shop Boys, the people think very similar to OMD. They're both duos. Oh, I have a funny story here, too. Both duos, both electronic. They really don't move in the same circles at all after that. And um, 
So much so that uh, I was interviewing Chris Lowe years ago uh, for their a tour they were doing in North America. And uh, I was, oh, I asked Chris Lowe the question. Chris Lowe's the quiet one in the Pet Shop Boys, Neil Tennis, the singer. There you go. So I asked, I, uh, I said, you know, um, oh, Andy McCluskey uh, shut down OMD in 1995 because uh, he, was like, he was in a record store and he picked up a copy of a, an era- the new Erasure album at the time. And, and Andy, a big Erasure fan, him and Vince Clark, buddy, buddy. But he looked at it and he's like, gosh, do I need another Erasure album? And then he thought, oh my God, what if people pick up the next OMD album and go, do I really need another OMD album? And he said, that's it. I'm going to work on something else. And so Chris Lowe laughed at that story. And so I said, oh, no, no, we've always found a way to make it new and we've never felt that way. And then he says, and the world does need more OMD records. And I told that to Paul Humphreys and he was tickled by that. So um, yeah, how about that? Uh, so even though they don't move in the same circles, they know who each other are and they're, you know, they're very respectful of each other. So he gets back to the beginning here. Uh, Neil Tennant is a, a rock journalist uh, in nineteen in early 1980s, works for Smash Hits magazine. He, um, he buys a synthesizer. He's really interested in making his own music. He, he bumps into Chris Lowe uh, in a music store. Uh, they become buddies, and uh, Chris Lowe knows a little more about synthesizers, and he comes around to uh, Neil Tennant's flat and shows them, they looks at a synthesizer. Literally, this is not a, <laughs> not a euphemism, because you, we know. Um, they're not a couple, by the way, and they never have been. But anyway, um, they, but they both are, you know. So, uh, but anyway, Chris Lowe looks at the synthesizer. They say, let's form a band. And they do. And they start writing songs together. And they, they do, uh, really have a girl chemistry in writing songs. And uh, around 1984, they go to New York. Um, Neil Tennant interviews a guy named Bobby Orlando, his disco producer, brings him a couple demos. West End Girls is one of the songs. Bobby Orlando is sufficiently impressed. They release an early version of West End Girls, which goes nowhere. Uh, it gets a little play in dance clubs in New York. But, um. Uh, enough that they're encouraged to, um, oh, no, wait a minute. Neil Tennant goes to interview Sting, and then we'll arrange an interview with Bobby Orlando. Anyway, uh, so anyway, sufficiently, it does well enough that uh, they're able to get a contract with EMI Records, uh, or the Parlophone subsidiary label of EMI. And the, they re-record West End Girls and some other songs for their debut album called Please, and the re-released us much, much better. Uh, West End Girls is a worldwide number one hit. And I gotta say, I've never been, like, super keen on West End Girls. I mean, I liked it just fine, and it was out. I was like, oh, I'm glad this is climbing the chart and not some some rubbish. But, um, I mean, it was fine. And then when I heard the rest of the album, I was like, oh, every song on here is better than West End Girls. So I'm gonna play you one of those songs. Also a single... Uh, I don't remember, I will look this up while the song is playing, I don't remember where Suburbia charted in the U.S., I'm pretty sure it was a top 10 single, and it's weird, you really only hear Western Girls anymore uh, from Pet Shop Boys as far as from this album, you don't hear the other two singles very often, the other big single was, I know it was a top 10 hit, was uh, Opportunities Let's Make Lots of Money, which went, I think, to 7, 8, 9, something like that, a Western Girls, big number one hit, but this is a song called Suburbia.
Suburbia, Pet Shop Boys. Uh, so let me see here. Oh, Love's Come, Love Comes Quickly only goes to 62 in the U.S. That's weird. I could have sworn that was a top 10 hit. Suburbia goes to 10, goes to 11 in the U.K. All right, there you have it. Well, that clears all that up. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. Wait, strike that. I'm getting all confused. I'm reading Wikipedia wrong. Opportunities goes to 11 in the U.K. Goes to 10 in the U.S. Okay, I was right. Suburbia goes to 8 in the U.K. Only goes to 70 here. I, that surprises me. I thought it was a bigger hit than that. Well, anyway... Uh, very influenced by America in the video they film in Los Angeles. Uh, Neil Tennant's wearing a cowboy hat. Uh, does not look ridiculous. You would think he would, but he actually looks kind of cool. Uh, so there's that. Uh, Suburbia, like I said, lots of great songs on this album. Um, and every every single track is great. And Storm is one of the best albums of the 80s. They claimed they could have recorded all kinds of songs. They had songs left over, so much so that they put all those on actually. And uh, the song I'm going to play for you now, number one in the UK, got to nine here, got to one in several other countries around the world as my favorite Pet Shop Boys song. My wife's too. Hey, we agree on a song. Um, it's from the album, actually. They said this could have been on uh, Please, along with uh, What Have I Done to Deserve This Song. Rent is also on this album. But uh, this is, song is called It's a Sin, and hooey, is it a tune? It's a Sin from Pet Shop Boys from the album, actually. So, like I said, What Have I Done to Deserve This is also on this album. Does really well, I guess, a number two in this country. Uh, got that? Is that right? U.S. number two. U.S. number two. Yeah, with Dusty Springfield on vocals, uh, living a lifelong dream to work with one of his childhood heroes, Neil Tennant is. And then Rent, of course. Uh, Rent does not chart here. It goes to eight in the United Kingdom and does okay in other countries. They release an album called Introspective after that, and that features a huge uh, a cover of a... Well, in Britain, they will tell you this is an Elvis Presley song because I guess he had the bigger hit with it there. We know it as a Willie Nelson song, and I believe... No, Willie Nelson did not write this one. Let me double check. I always think that he did, and I don't think he did. It's one of the few songs that Willie recorded that had a big hit with it. He did not have a hand, actually, in writing. Wayne Carson... Thompson, Mark James, and John Christopher wrote Always On My Mind. And, uh, you know, the real slow, uh, weepy version from, uh, from uh, Willie Nelson. 
and this now is forever in my head as a fast song. It will always be a fast song, uh, and uh, it is a banging tune. This was the Christmas number one in 1987, I believe, in the UK, a big milestone. Guess the number four in the US is number one in a lot of other countries as well. Uh, this is a Pet Shop Boys cover of Always On My Mind. Banger, right? So, uh, fun story here. Another contestant that we're going to have in this contest, which everyone believes is the favorite. They're the uh, they're the tournament favorite coming into this, the killers. Uh, so, if you haven't seen this, I don't know if you can find it on YouTube. They keep taking it on and off. You can find parts of it. Uh, so, killers played Glastonbury in 2019. Uh, for their encore, they play the main pyramid stage. For their encore, they roll out Chris and Neil. They do Always On My Mind. They then stick around and do Human with killers they're excused they wave they go off uh johnny marr comes out they do this charming man and then they finish with mr brightside it is the gotta be the greatest encore in the history of of rock and roll if you have a better encore email me uh at pfstaperecorder at gmail.com post on the facebook page i dare you to find a better encore than that all right so try to find that like i said the key you might be able to find one or two of those songs in it i uh, was able to someone posted it and i dropped it onto a dvd as soon as i saw it was on youtube before they took it down and man it is fantastic so we get up to what's our next track here um, so, uh, they, let me see, release, uh, actually, uh, they released another single from that, Heart, uh, does not chart here, goes to number one, it's a big dance hit here in the U.S., um, they tried to sell that to Madonna, uh, she did not like it, Domino Dancing comes from the album Introspective, we go back to Introspective for some songs, Left to My Own Devices is a good tune, uh, Behavior comes out in 1990, uh, they re-released Being Boring from it, which is uh, which is an early song they had they did include on the first album. I think it might have ended up as a B-side maybe at first, but then they have it as an album track. And uh, it does not chart here. It goes to 20 in the UK. So Hard is the big song from this. Uh, I guess the 62 here. Uh, I guess the 4 in the UK. They do a cover of Where the Streets Have No Name by U2. 
uh, which I guess stems from a, and this is legend has it kind of thing, that I guess Neil Tennant and Bono kind of hate each other's guts. So just to, um, I guess to stitch up Bono, <laughs> um, they cover for the streets have no name. Pretty good cover too. But anyway, I'll play you so hard from the album Behavior. It's pretty good too. I'm gonna play the uh, part here. I like this this line a lot. My wife always thought it was really uh, a very clever line too. And uh, here is So Hard from Pet Shop Boys from the album Behavior in The song they resurrect in 1991 is a song called Jealousy. Uh, that was another early tune that decided to go back and include on Behavior. Also does not chart here. It goes to 12. And uh, as you can see, the kind of popularity is kind of waning in the U.S. at this point. They're suffering the same fate as a lot of bands. Uh, grunge is happening at this point. Only Depeche Mode, weirdly, is finding success. They have a number one album with Violator, but no one else can seem to take advantage of that as grunge is everything else. You got grunge and you got Depeche Mode. And Depeche Mode have a fairly successful album after that even but no one can seem to crack the code. Cure do okay at this point, but really it's all about the Seattle, all about the Manchester. We got that going on. Uh, See, discography comes out. It's a greatest hits collection. And then in 1993, they introduce an album called Very. I'm going to play you a track called Can You Forgive Her? Apparently a song I've misinterpreted for years. Uh, I read a Pet Shop Boys biography. Turns out the song isn't about what I thought it was about, although my interpretation of it still fits exactly to the word. So that's the thing Martin Gore of Depeche Mode used to say, and my wife says this too, is that she doesn't like to know what a song is about. And I kind of get that, and I kind of don't. I kind of like hearing what the artist has to say and the story behind the song, but then you know, Martin Gore and my wife and folks like that are all right. And that, well, sometimes a song can be, uh, you know, have a whole different meaning to you. Another example of that, speaking of Depeche Mode, is Personal Jesus. And I might've mentioned this in the Depeche Mode episode. I thought Personal Jesus, um, well, I was told uh, later by uh, the guy on MTV, the guy used to host uh, 120 Minutes. He said, so it's a song about uh, televangelism and and, and calling up a a priest. They used to do that back in the day. This is, you know, uh, when you used to watch these religious folks on TV, TV and you'd call them and give them money. Who? So anyway, it was all about that. And I'm like, oh, I guess it is about that. I thought it was a song from a guy to a gal or, you know, a person to a person saying, hey, I'm your personal savior. You can call me anytime and I'll make you feel better. Completely different interpretation, eh? So anyway, Can You Forgive Her? A uh, very personal song for me at this time in my life. Uh, of kind of a horrific time in my life, to be honest with you. But um, it's, um, yeah, I still like this tune a lot. I forget how much I like this. This is Can You Forgive Her from Pet Shop Boys.
Catch Up Boys released another uh, song from this album, uh, Go West. It's a cover of the, the uh, uh, Village People tune, and they do a very, very nice job of this, as a matter of fact. And then I normally would do this kind of thing. Uh, that was featured on the Friends soundtrack. Uh, they played at a party, although it didn't help it chart at all. It got to 13 in the UK and didn't chart here. So then this is kind of where I start to kind of lose a little bit of, um, I guess, focus with the Pet Shop Boys. Uh, they released an album called Bilingual in 96. It's fine. Uh, there's a song called uh, It's Spanish. They recorded in Miami. Sea uh, Veda Ea. Uh, translate that's the way life is great tune i love that almost played that but i wanted to get to the other song uh they released another album called nightlife it's fine new york city boys on a little different for them it's okay a lot of people like new york city boy though they think it was like a return to form for them uh we get up to what album is it nine or 2009 they released the album yes and it features a couple of singles. Uh, this is their last appearance in the uk chart at 14 the song is called love etc this is a return to form uh, what a great, great tune. And I believe this is the album... No, we would not see them tour this album. This is the album I uh, interviewed them for. It was a Greatest Hits tour, which my wife and I did not get to see because they didn't come anywhere near us. We saw the following tour, uh, which I believe is a, the Elysium tour in Chicago, and which we got to hear It's a Sin, which was all we, were, all we cared about. You know, We were at, liked to have heard the hit singles, but It's a Sin was good enough for us. And that's a pretty good show otherwise. But anyway, getting back to Love, etc. Uh, great tune. I said their last appearance in the UK chart, at least in the top 40. And, uh, well, here it is. This is Love, etc. fun tune, right? All right, so, well, here's the thing again with Pet Shop Boys, like with some of these other older bands, you know, great start, and then it kind of just kind of peters out, and and I've liked some of the later stuff more than some other bands, like, you know, Love Etc. is a good tune, oh, but that's 10 years old now, isn't it? And I, and I try to follow the new stuff, but I just, you know, I think they've, I don't think they're writing as good of songs as they used to, but what can you do? Oh, another little thing I'm going to point out about Pet Shop Boys. Not their fault. I'm going to probably bring this up again when um, we do the next uh, special edition series of PF Tape Recorder when we determine who PF's third favorite band is. We're going to do a, a look at the history of um, synth pop. 
And uh, there's a great, great uh, documentary if you can find it. Again, it was on YouTube. They made him take it down. But you can find it. It's called Synth Britannia. If you live in the UK, you can probably still watch it on the iPlayer there. Um, but it's the history of synth pop in Britain. And um, it's really good. The only problem I have with it is they're talking about, you know, going up through the 80s. And then the last band they cover is Pet Shop Boys, who, of course, released their uh, album in 1980, late 1985, West End Girls charts in this country, 1986, spring of. And they're talking about how Pet Shop Boys, well, last great new wave band, last great synth pop band of, of that era. And I mean, they're fine, all, all true. Not mad at Neil and Chris at all, you know, big fan. But uh, then they cut, roll out this jive like, oh, and then synthesizers were everywhere. It was too much. And they show Howard Jones with a little blast him and Thompson Twins. I'm like, no, 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 no. You, you, they came before Pet Shop Boys. You can't say Pet Shop Boys are great and then backtrack and go, oh, but there were too many synthesizers. No, 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 no. Especially with Howard Jones and Thompson Twins. No, no, no. I'm not having that. All right. So anyway, not Neil and Chris's fault. Uh, so anyway, get back to Pet Shop Boys. Um, yeah, I mean, they certainly one of my favorite bands of the 80s. Uh, love them as songwriters. Uh, you know, wish I could have seen them tour more, but uh, they, there you have it. They are this week's contestants for PF's third favorite band, question mark, which now brings us to our Honorable Mention Band. Our Honorable Mention Band comes to us from England, although they uh, live mostly now in New York City. Uh, it is the Psychedelic Furs. And Psychedelic Furs, very rockety to begin with. And I didn't come on. This is another deal, perfect example, where uh, my favorite album is The Entry Point. And it was the 84, summer of 84. I'd heard them before. Uh, I knew Pretty in Pink, the song. This is before the movie. Uh, I knew Love My Way because they played it on MTV a lot. And uh, But then my friends in 1984 somewhere ever like oh you, you heard mirror moves by the psychedelic first i'm like oh i know those guys yeah so i borrowed my friend's cassette totally blown away and one of those things where i think it's nine tracks every song on it fantastic and so became a huge psych first fan from that went back to the catalog and apparently early psych first is a lot rockier and people real psych first fans i know a couple people are like oh no like the first talk 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 and the the first the self-titled album are great and you know and mirror move that's rubbish and it's a lot more keyboardy so probably why i like mirror moves but um I'm not going to play a song from Mirror Moves, strangely. Uh, I'm going to play a rockier song, which is really kind of uh, odd, but this is one of my favorite Psych Fur songs. Uh, it may be still my favorite Psychedelic Fur song, I, and it's uh, Turn This Up If You Can. It's an old D, uh, CD I took it from, so maybe I'll, um, I'll goose it a little bit in post so it's nice and loud, but crank this up. This is one of my favorite songs to play loud. This is Forever Now from Psychedelic Furs. <laughs>
Forever Now from the album of the same name. The big single from that, of course, is Love My Way. But uh, man, do I love Forever Now. And that is our uh, honorable mention band for uh, PF's third favorite band, question mark. Which brings us finally to our song of the week. Our song of the week is, uh, well, it couldn't be more brand new, kids. Well, it's from a group that's been around for... Let me see, 2016, they've been around for five, six years. Uh, more of that K-pop we've been talking about here on the show a lot lately. You remember uh, we did our top six back in January. Both uh, producer Liza and Fangirl had a lot of K-pop on their uh, lists. And um, Well, actually, Liza didn't. She would now. And she regrets not having Dynamite by BTS be one of her favorite tunes. That you have no doubt heard. It is a huge, huge hit. Uh, you probably heard it in stores or anywhere like that. It's a big top ten hit in the United States. I believe it was top ten in the UK and, and all around the world. And it's a great tune. And weirdly, it does not really wear thin on uh, on multiple playings. I still think it's a great track. But I'm not going to play that. Apparently, Dynamite came out um, in the summer of 2020. And the first track from the album that it's on is a song called Ego. And it features uh, one of the members, J-Hope. It's kind of odd. There's nine of them. You might have seen them on the Colbert show. They did a little Beatles parody. It was really funny. And so there's nine of them. And from the way Lies explains it to me, of the nine of them, a couple of them have kind of a specialty. So there's a couple of guys that are, they all dance, they all sing, they all rap. But there's specialists in each of those categories. So a couple of them mostly sing, a couple of them mostly rap, a couple of them will be more featured in the dancing. Okay. So anyway, one uh, one of the young men is J-Hope, and this is kind of like a, a solo song, but it's not. It's kind of released as him. It's very confusing, but he he's the only one in the video for the song. It's not a typical video for them. It's not just not all them dancing around. The dancing is more freeform, and it's not all structured and all those you no know, quick you know moves and you know hand moves and leg moves and all that stuff. It's kind of him being more freeform and dancing. You'll see why when you hear the tune. But this, this is a great track. I like this even better than Dynamite. And uh, well, it's our song of the week on PF Tape Recorder. The song is officially called Outro Ego because it's the last song on the album. But I believe the song is actually just Ego. It is. BTS. It features their member J-Hope on lead vocals, and well, here it is. PF Tape Recorder, so long, and thanks for listening. So we're here